I don't know. <laughs> Listen to them, children of the night. What music they make. It is midnight in Cozy Corner and around the world. Pour yourself a cup of coffee, put your feet up, and get ready to howl at the moon. It is time for the Late Night Fright with Dan and Faith right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Are y'all ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. What have we got tonight? Tonight we have the classic universal silent film, The Phantom of the Opera from 1925, starring the man on a thousand faces, Lon Chaney. Can you dig it? I knew that you could. Get ready to boogie and watch out for the chandelier. It is time for the late night fright. Faith is happening again. Son of a bitch. This has been going on all damn week. There he goes. There he goes. That is, of course, music guy, our resident singer. Oh. He's singing Phantom of the Opera. This is awful. Under our studio. Oh, God. Why is he? I, I don't know. Uh, hand me something. Hand me that broom. There's a pair. Thank you, Faith. My goodness. We are trying to do a show, and he's interrupting us. I don't... Did I hear that they're doing auditions at the Cozy Corner Community Playhouse for Phantom of the Opera? Yeah, apparently he's a method actor or something. He needs to go live under someone else's studio. For real. Let's get it underway. Welcome, misfits, miscreants, spooks, specters, astral beings from Dimension X, alien envoys from galaxies near and far boogers from around the world and all of you music lovers and method actors apparently you are listening to the late night fright right here on wkmf cozy corner public radio i am dan and with me as always is my very operatic co-host faith say hi faith (laughs) hi faith you can put the broom down now faith i might need to hold on to it is it uh operatic or disfigured is that what we're going with for you tonight operatic or disfigured what do you think I think I think uh, I think you're a little bit of both. <laughs> Good answer. There you go, Faith. What are we talking about tonight? We are talking about 1925's *The Phantom of the Opera*. That is correct. This is another classic in the Universal Horror canon, and this one has one of the absolute icons of the genre, Lon Chaney. Tonight's movie is, of course, based on the 1910 novel of the same name by French author Gaston Leroux. Can you say that? Gaston Leroux. Gaston Leroux. And did you know this is one of the most adapted stories of all time? Really? Yes, it is. May I give you a quick rundown? Please. The most famous adaptations are a 1916 German film that has been lost to the ravages of time, Faith. Nary a copy, photograph, or poster exists from that production. Why? It's almost like it's a fan. It, it, yeah, everything got destroyed. I don't, I don't know. But it was hmm. 
there at one point. So, the 1925 film we're talking about tonight, a 1943 remake from Universal starring the amazing Claude Rains, a 1962 Hammer Films version with Herbert Lom, a 1989 film starring our favorite Robert England as the title character, and perhaps, possibly to our dismay, the ultra-popular and favorite of drama kids around the world, 1986's Andrew Lloyd Webber musical adaptation that was also adapted into a 2004 Joel Schumacher film. I would also like to add that these are just some of the adaptations. It has been done a lot, but tonight's movie is the only one to be honored with a U.S. postage stamp featuring the ghastly visage of Lon Chaney as the Phantom. Do you have a number of how many there were? Oh, there's a lot because there's been TV movies. There's been, I mean, um, if you look it up, you can see a a full list and it's pretty extensive. And it's not even just Phantom of the Opera. There's been like takeoffs of it, like uh, rock and roll uh, Phantom of the uh, Paradise, which was a uh, Hmm. like in Phantom of the Mall and things like that. So, I mean, it's it's been it's been adapted quite a bit throughout its history. But um this was a first time watch for you, and mm-hmm. I have two questions before we go to the break and get into some other things. What was your general impression of the film, you know, just broad strokes, mm-hmm. and have you had the opportunity to watch any silent movies before this? So I'll start with your second. I haven't really, that I can recall, have gotten into any silent films because I'm always a little apprehensive of, you know, how I'll be able to make it through. And rightfully so. They're an acquired taste. Right. We're, we're 100 and some years removed from this. And it's a different kind of watch. Right. And so going into this, that's where I was. I was kind of like, okay, what is going to keep me on my toes? What's going to keep me going through this the whole time? You know, I mean, obviously it's a loved movie. So, you know. Yes. I was expecting to like it to some extent. And I was I was surprised how much I really enjoyed it. I wasn't. Good. I wasn't disappointed that it was a silent film so yes and this is one of the most famous silent films of all time this is uh i was reading perhaps the most watched silent film of all time i think i read that too because of of where it falls and what it mm-hmm. is and and all of these things we're going to talk about it at length tonight and uh i'm glad you enjoyed it i've i've enjoyed this movie for for a long long time uh but before we travel into the bowels of the paris opera we have a bit of business faith you know what time it is don't you it is time for the news Bapo the Clown, beloved children's entertainer and host of Cozy Corner Public Television's number one rated daytime kids show, Bapo's Basement, had a brush with death on his most recent episode. Bapo took some kids on a field trip to the Cozy Corner Aquarium and fell into the shark tank when he tripped over his size 31 clown shoes. To everyone's astonishment, the sharks left Bapo alone until he could be rescued. Marine biologist Matt Hooper, an expert in sharks, says that Bapo survived because sharks are very selective about what they eat and clowns would never be on their menu because they taste funny. Well, Faith, they said it couldn't be done, but you know what? It was indeed done. Done it was, and it did bigger business than any other show that was done before. To the chagrin of the naysayers out there, Cozy Corner Theater's recent production of Fart the Musical really blew away the competition last weekend. 
Analysts attribute the show's success to three factors. First, the music. The orchestra is composed entirely of trombones and tubas, and somehow it works. Second, the audience is treated to an all-you-can-eat bean buffet at intermission, a bottomless bucket of beans, if you will, and encouraged to participate in the play's final act. Thirdly, Faith, farts are always funny. Sounds like something I need to go check out. Yes. Greg Hufflepank, a former member of the Society of Dark Wizards of Cozy Corner and better known as Lothar, wielder of the Wand of Wussification, lost his court case against the Cozy Corner Travel Agency. Hufflepank was denied a ticket to Wakanda, the fictional nation that is home to Marvel Comics character Black Panther. Hufflepank thought that the fictional place was real and sued the travel agency for refusing to furnish him with a ticket. Marta McMuffins, president of Cozy Corner Travel Agency, says that while she realizes Hufflepank is a complete dumbass, she cannot for the life of her understand how the public school system could have failed him so monumentally. Hufflepank does not plan to appeal, but will instead jerk off to old episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation in preparation for the new CBS series Star Trek Picard. Faith, it is October. Yes, it is. Fall is in the air. Football is being played. Halloween is right around the corner. We have been doing this show faithfully since February. And you know what? What? Robert England has still not been on this show, even though we have sent written invitations, emailed him, sent Instagram messages, sent messages personally to him, at least for the address that we, we found, to his business people. I would like to think that he's just not gotten those messages because I don't well, hold this against him personally. Well, we sound like stalkers and he's afraid of us. Don't go there, Faith. Don't go there. You know the... Uh, I'm playing, I'm playing. You, you know that the lawyer said that we couldn't say anything about the pinning lawsuit. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, he, lo- he loves us. There is no lawsuit, people. I have offered him uh, $5. Mm-hmm. I have offered him a bag of aluminum cans that he can bring to a local facility mm-hmm. to turn in for uh, cash. He can keep that cash. I have also offered to uh, buy him Taco Bell, anything he wants, as much as he wants, off of the dollar menu. Mm-hmm. So each week it seems to be uh, we need to sweeten the pot. So I am ready to throw in. Are you ready for this? Yes. I'm ready to throw in one tall boy of old Milwaukee. One tall boy. A 32-ounce tall boy of old Milwaukee. He can drink it while he's doing the show. He can drink it after he does the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can drink it before the show if he wants. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's up to him when he drinks the old Milwaukee Tall Boy. But I mean, I think that's a, I think that's pretty fair. I think that's pretty fair. Does he right? still get the Taco Bell? And no, no, he gets everything plus right, the old so Milwaukee. The, so yeah, he can eat Taco Bell. And yeah, old Milwaukee. Okay. Yeah, because he's not going home to us. He's going home to his lovely wife Nancy. I mean, right. you know, I mean, she's the one that's got to deal with the uh, <laughs> deal with the aftermath of that. You know, um, but anyway, so that's what it is right now. Five dollars. A bag of aluminum cans that you can turn in for cash. Anything you want off the Taco Bell dollar menu. And a 32-ounce tall boy of old Milwaukee. Robert, we love you. Please, please come on the show. Yes, please. Please. And that is the news. England, England, don't 
We say it every week. That song, it never gets old for me. Not for me. Not for me either. I love that song. I just, I just, I just, I just love it. And as much as I love it, I don't think it's working because he has not come on the show yet. It's a nice piece of music, I think. Speaking of music, tonight's movie that we're talking about deals with some music, doesn't it? Lots of music. What are we talking about tonight, Faith? <laughs> 1925's Phantom of the Opera. And we have a method actor studying to be or studying for an audition, you know, preparing for an audition right underneath our studio. You know, we were kind of mean to him earlier. Do you think we should throw him a bone and let him take us to break? I guess. All I'm right. keeping the broom nearby still, though. All right, let's see. Hey, music guy, go ahead and take us to break. Okay, that's enough. This is Harrison Ford, host of the Straight Dope, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. The Straight Dope is the number one rated show on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Why? Because people want the straight dope on the straight dope. Join me this week as I review South Carolina Glad Bag, a new and interesting blend that is guaranteed to get you high. I'll also be talking about some of my favorite jazz artists and the straight dope that they used. I'll also have a special guest in the studio with me. That's right. The straight dope is going international. With me is going to be one of the greatest actors of all time. Sir Michael Caine. I'm so glad to be here with you, Harrison. Talking about the straight dope. What's your favorite uh, strain of the green? I'm not much into the green. I like the blue. B-L-E-U by Wells Jennings. It's a bedroom enhancer. You know what I mean. Everybody's got a problem with that every now and then. Bet you didn't know that. I never have a problem with that. Well, what do you do when you can't get the old boy up? I use my hand. Oh, Harrison, you're a naughty tuna. Join me. Harrison Ford for the straight dope only on hey what is this again it's WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio Harrison I bet you didn't know that oh, I knew it I am uh, I forgot it straight dope I'm Scott Rice host of Laser Beams that's Laser with a Z M. Beams with a Z. Pew, pew. 
here to tell you about my newest voyage right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. It's called Trekkies. That's Trekkies with a Z. Zoom, zoom. We're going to talk about all things Star Trek. The series, the movies, the technology, like phasers, pew, pew, warp speed, zoom, zoom, and Klingons, clip up so cool. Join me, Scott Rice, for Trekkie, zoom, zoom, right here on WKNF Cozy Corner Public Radio. What speed, Mr. Sulu? Zoom, zoom! This song is jamming. This is Bobby D'Amato, host of Afterglow, the show that comes on after the late night fright, here to tell you about an extraordinary new product, Blue. That's B-L-E-U. Yeah, I know it ain't spelled like we spell it here in America. It's spelled like the French spell it. So you know it's probably pretty good. Blue is a bedroom enhancer for all you guys who can't get it up. Now, I myself have never had that problem. But hey, you know, some of you out there have this problem. Well, blue is for you. In fact, that's the slogan. Blue is for you. Blue, the little blue pill that keeps you from getting the blue balls. B-L-E-U balls. Get 30% off your first order if you tell them Bobby sent you. Blue. Blue for you. Hey, take it on the subway. She'll be riding your D-train all night long. (laughs) Wait, what do you mean I can't say that on the radio? Welcome back, all of you boogers, to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF, Cozy Corner, Public Radio. Faith, I don't even know what to think about the bumpers that were aired during our break. I don't know either. We've got Blue, that's B-L-E-U, because it's French, so you know it's good. Harrison Ford apparently has the number one rated program here on WKMF, Cozy Corner. And Scott Rice is just this force of nature. He, of course, has the Laser Beams show that is Laser with a Z and Beams with a Z. Pew, pew. Mm-hmm. He has the Laser Update that he does uh, during our show. And now he has a new show called Trekkies. That's Trekkies with a Z. Pew, <laughs> pew. So it's amazing. Things, you never know what's going to happen I here know. in the Cozy Corner. And I want to go back to a bit of the news that we mentioned. Uh, Fart the Musical which is setting box office records here in Cozy Corner Mm -hmm. at the Cozy Corner uh, Community Theater Playhouse. We actually have a bit of music from the show that we have been authorized to play here. They would like for us to play it and, you know, give them a little uh, promotion, although I don't think they need it. Uh, So here is from the finale, one of the finale songs. I haven't seen the play yet, but this is in the final act. This is called Strange Wind. We have a, just a little bit of it here. So I'm going to go ahead and play it. You ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. A strange wind is blowing 
blowing through the trees a strange wind is blowing blowing past my knees god bless the babies god bless the beans <laughs> Faith, have you had the good fortune to see Fart the Musical? I have not. I have not either. I we might like need might, to take this yeah. in. I, I don't know. Possibly. <laughs> Boy, what a culture we live in, right? For real. For real. You know, things haven't always been like this. No. Yeah. You know, back in the day, they were a little more refined, right? People listened to opera mm-hmm. back in the day. You know, they still listen to opera today, but I don't think not like they used to back in the day. You know, it was the main form of entertainment and the opera figures in the movie that we're talking about tonight. Go ahead and tell them one more time what we're talking about. We are talking about 1925's Phantom of the Opera. We have talked about some great names in the history of horror, but tonight we're going to be talking about maybe the brightest star in the horror galaxy, and we really have. We've talked about some great actors. Mm-hmm. Who have we talked about on this show? The great names of horror. Boris Karloff, uh, Robert England, of course. Bella Lugosi. <laughs> Bella Lugosi. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, we're getting to Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. Mm-hmm. We have talked about them a little bit on the show. We're going right. to get there, but... Uh, We've talked about the man. We're talking about his son, Juan mm-hmm. Chaney Jr. We've talked about him. But tonight we're talking about Leonidas Frank Chaney, better known as Lon Chaney, sometimes referred to as Lon Chaney Sr., and most famously known as the Man of a Thousand Faces. He was an actor, writer, director, and makeup artist. He specialized in tortured, grotesque, and afflicted characters. And he applied the makeup himself. So let's get right into it. What did you think of Cheney's performance here? Because Cheney's performance is what makes this so special. So what did you think of it? He's incredible. I watched this uh, in my bed and I swear he made me uncomfortable <laughs> the whole time I was watching yeah. this. Even when he's not in a scene, I felt his intensity. Like he's he has yes. an intense, creepy energy to him. And I was creeped out by him the whole time. I think he is the biggest monster we're going to talk about on this show. I think he's the biggest monster we've talked about so far. And I mean pure dark mm-hmm. malevolence. Uh, you know, I think the closest we've come is possibly Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. with Elm Street, possibly. I think uh, Cheney's Phantom takes it another level. Yeah. Takes it to another place. And we're going we're gonna to get more into why we think that. I think his performance is one of the greatest in the history of cinema. It, um, what, what this, why this movie is so important is it comes after the thrillers, the silent movie thrillers. This is a horror movie, but it's not quite a horror movie. It's a gothic love story, romance, mystery, little elements of horror. And, but what it does, this is 1925 universal. This was a big hit for universal. This is coming from literary material. Carl Limley senior himself got this from Gaston LaRue, you know, Mm -hmm. and they adapted this and this was a moneymaker. And then they wanted to put Lon Chaney in 1931's Dracula, but he passed away beforehand. This really starts the legacy of universal with horror 
this this is it. This yeah. is the one. This is so from that standpoint, this is a very important movie. I also think this is a very important movie from a special effects standpoint mm-hmm. with uh, his makeup and what he did with that makeup and the way that he uh, performs under that makeup. I think the makeup is is wonderful oh, yeah, and. Amazing. We've talked about this on the show before with special effects. And I think the makeup is a special effect, mm-hmm. um, you know, but it's in service of something else. It's not the performance. He he is performing under that. But what a wonderful tool it mm-hmm. is. Speaking of the makeup, let's get into this. This phantom that we're talking about tonight, unlike other phantoms of the opera, some we will not mention they get it right from the book. This character was born disfigured. This is one of, as far as I know, one of the only versions that goes there with he was born disfigured. The other versions have him becoming disfigured during the course of the movie, or he makes some kind of Faustian deal with a demon or devil that disfigures hmm. him, and he says he wants to be loved for his music. Well, he's going to be loved only for the music and not for anything else. But this one, He's disfigured. He was born this way. Um, they changed a few things from the novel, but um, but they got that right. And this is the look of this is so iconic. Uh, what do you think of the Phantom, especially uh, the reveal, which is one of the most famous moments in cinema history? And how much do you re- yeah? There it is. I'm <laughs> phantoming myself. How much respect do you have for Cheney, knowing that he did uh, his makeup here? Well, the Phantom, I think, is awful i think he's horrific but i think he looks amazing even though how terrifying he is i mean he god that is a creepy looking there is something very not right about him yes and the fact that this was done all practically you know is Mm -hmm. is even is even worse and the fact that i'm sitting there looking at this going i know there's a man under there Mm -hmm. and he wasn't a, a bad looking guy cheney right but it's like i know there's a man under there and i can't see him exactly and the respect thing. I mean, man, that makeup's awesome. I feel like, I mean, that's the movie to me. Just seeing that face. Yeah. It's terrifying. He was a known perfectionist. So this, and, and he was a, he was an expert makeup artist. He is well known for, for doing those characters and inhabiting those characters. And, and like I said, as wonderful as this is, you know, he did his eye sockets black, got a real mm-hmm. skull look to it. Mm-hmm. The skeleton look is there. Uh, the emaciated kind of, kind of look right. cadaver. That's mm-hmm. what I'm looking for. Is there, but underneath that, there's a great actor performing, and that's the thing. And you talked about silent movies, and you hadn't watched many silent movies, and it is they're an acquired taste. You have to get into the rhythm of, of what a silent movie is. How did you feel about Cheney's performance in this? Because it is, for lack of a better word, and I'm not trying to be funny, operatic mm-hmm. in a way, and they had to be because of. Right. The nature of the beast, but what did you think of like the things he was doing as a performer here outside of the makeup, like the movements, the the gestures, the uh, you know? Uh, I would love to have heard what he could have done with a voice because mm-hmm. I'm sure it would have been you know amazing. But um, what were some things that you were taking from from that performance? Well, the way that he performed this, I think, is what really helped me not, you know, you know, get totally. To bridge lost. the gap between what what we know as movies today with talkies, right. as they called them, and and in the silent era, yeah. Right. I think everything he was doing, like you said, his movements, just every everything he had going on was pulling me into it, and it helped me not, you know, fall asleep or whatever. Yeah. This movie because nobody's yeah. speaking. I mean, the music yeah. alone, you're just listening to music, so yes. it's like, okay, you this this I could possibly fall asleep because it's beautiful yes. music, but 
He pulls you in. in. Yes, he does. I like the slow, deliberate movements he makes before Mm -hmm. the big reveal. Because we really only see him, we start to see him 30 minutes in. You see him in shadows and from behind. Those slow, deliberate movements he had uh, in that first 30 minutes, the few moments that you see him. What I was really liking that he was doing was his, I was noticing his hands a lot in this movie. Yes. And when he would stand with his arms folded, did you notice what he was doing with his hands? He had them spread out on his uh, mm-hmm. biceps or shoulders, and they were kind of fanned out. And I, I noticed it, and it just struck me. And I, I would like to know why he did that, but right. it's such a, a look. There's this. Yeah, I was noticing his hands, too, because there would be shadows where he was doing something with them. Right. And it kind of, uh, I mean, they probably weren't, but I asked myself one time, his hands look smaller or something. I yeah. don't know if, that, if they were. Or, or it was just the, the way the shadow was hitting. the shadow hitting. was, yeah. but I definitely, you know, noticed his hands. So, But he was he was doing stuff with his hands. But when he was standing, I love the way that he was standing with that hand just, mm-hmm. you know, just out. And then, uh, you know, we were talking about England. Uh, you know, I'm wondering if England didn't pick up something. If you've noticed him as Kruger with the glove, sometimes he'll mm-hmm. have that hand on his Honestly, other yeah. arm with it open yeah. like that. If he didn't pick that up from uh, from Cheney, he's a student of this craft, and it wouldn't surprise me if he had noticed that. Yeah, you know? good point. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just lovely stuff he's doing. And again, I'm with you. You know, yeah, you're noticing that it's a silent movie, but you're not, you know, it's not taking anything away from it because right. the brilliance of that performance is is in everything that he's doing mm-hmm. uh, inside and, you know, and then the makeup on the outside. Um, you always mention on this show the eyes. Mm-hmm. His eyes are amazing here. They are. His eyes are absolutely amazing. They really struck me in the scene where he's the Red Death at the yes. ball when he has the skull mask mm-hmm. on. But even uh, in the performance when he's just the phantom under uh, one mask and then under that, that beautiful makeup that he has. But what did you think of those eyes? Because, I mean, that's where the intensity for me was coming from. No, you're right. They they stood out. I, I, I would catch myself just staring at him, you know, right into his eyes because they just had this look to them. I feel like he was looking Ama- at me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They almost had a look like they were popping out, like yes. they were really just set into mm-hmm. a skull. It, it's... Um, this is a beautiful performance. It's a beautiful look. It's yes. a beautiful performance. If you're out there and you haven't seen this movie, please watch this movie. It is available. It's in the public domain. Mm-hmm. So this film is available on YouTube, mm-hmm. and you can watch this for free. And I urge everyone out there to watch it. If you haven't seen silent movies, silent movies, as I said, are an acquired taste. Right. But this is one just in film history you need to see it. With that said, my thoughts on this movie are I think it's a flawed masterpiece. I think it's really beautiful. We're going to get more into some of the history of the production of this. Uh, I have a few problems with it, but his performance carries everything. Right. The problems that I have are really in the first 30 minutes are... are Kind of overlooked. By yes, him. overlooked when you get to him and you get to that performance. And it's so brilliant and beautiful. And uh, it, it really... It needs to be seen. It really needs to be seen and experienced because it's 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 a marvel. It's and it's 90, 94 years old now. Yeah. Ninety four years old and still, like you said, he's scaring you ninety four years after the fact. Yeah. Like I said, I mean I was very very apprehensive thinking that I was gonna be bored to death watching this. Yeah. But you, people do need to watch this and, and go in with an open mind that you know it's not 
it's not going to make you fall asleep or yes you're yes. not going to lose you're not going to lose track of what's happening right. you're really going to get sucked into everything that's happening right right so. and in a way it's uh it's pure cinema because it's visual it's, mm-hmm. it becomes visual and we're going to talk about my problems because some of my problems are uh when we get to the director rupert julian mm-hmm. didn't uh utilize cinematic techniques we'll talk about some of my problems with okay. it um but uh let's let's keep on the phantom kind of moving into the story is this phantom a monster Yes. I think he's an absolutely vile creature yeah. and not because of the way that he looks. No. That is not it. This is a vile creature. I and I really think he's 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 more evil possibly mm-hmm. than Fred Krueger in a lot I of think ways so. because he's almost more real world, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. what did you think of him? Because like I said, he's been kind of portrayed as this anti-hero sometimes, a romantic, uh, figure in the uh in the Andrew Lloyd Webber yeah, version, see. which is what I think the public is most uh, uh, you know acquainted with, right? And I have respect for Andrew Lloyd Webber and for music. They're not my cup of tea, but I do right. have respect for them, a great respect. But see, I've read parts of the book. I read it a long time ago, but I was looking at parts like this is coming from the novel, right? That he's this this thing. And so, what did you think of this it, thing? He's awful. I mean, he's horrific. And and you, you mentioned the romance thing. He's not romantic at all. <laughs> we're we're living in the age of uh, the hashtag Me Too, and I don't want to go down that 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 rabbit hole with uh, hashtag Me Too. Right. But uh, no, th- what the Me Too uh, women accuse men of being, he is those things. Exactly. That's exactly what I was noticing. I mean, just the, just the way he was controlling and stuff. I mean, that made me that made me uncomfortable enough. Because I don't like being controlled and all the possessiveness. That was making me uncomfortable alone. Not even the way he looked, you know? I mean, put that aside. Just everything about him, the way that, how controlling he was, was... It made me uncomfortable as a man. Yeah. You know, because I don't, I don't act like that. My friends don't act right. like that. I've known, I've known men who act like that, and I don't associate with them, and I don't... Right. And, and I think they're in the minority. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's awful. You know, there's rules that he has set on her, mm-hmm. you know, Um he uh, he has come to her under false pretenses, you know, and he wants her, mm-hmm. you know, body and soul almost. And it's and it's 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 terrible. It's right. awful. And he kills. Right. He kills. And I know he kills in the Andrew Lloyd Webber version. But no, you know, OK, this is vile. Right. And I think it even is is worse that he puts this final decision like in her hands. You know what I mean? Like, OK, if you turn this one, you know, like that's terrible. <laughs> So let me ask this question because I had it at the end of my notes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Phantom in the novel, I mean, he has a torture chamber. It's vile. Like, and he kills for her and, and all these things. Um, he's depraved. And I have it here. He has a torture chamber complete with bones. That's in the novel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, he's a murderer, yet women swoon over him in the Broadway production. And as I said, they did take some liberties. They kept some of the horrific elements. But mm-hmm. um, they swoon over him in the Broadway production. Why? I have no idea. Because I, I was watching part of the Joel Schumacher film today because I was just curious mm-hmm. out of my mind. And I'm like, this oh, this is no. <laughs> I, I really don't No know. offense, like I said, toward Weber or, or the right. fans or anything, but I'm just like, no. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't get that. To me, he's he's evil. He's a monster. He shouldn't be romanticized. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't either. Um, so what did you think of the story here? Because uh, this borrows on actual historical elements. The uh, Paris Opera House 
uh, does have the uh, rivers underneath. Mm-hmm. Uh, the little lake lagoon thing is underneath. Um, an architect that worked on it actually did live under there. It was uh, purported to be haunted. Uh, Chandelier fell, and Gaston LaRue was a journalist, and he also wrote about music. So he was familiar with this place. So, I mean, there are elements of truth to it, but he made all this up. Right. Um, what did you think of the story here, and is it creeptacular to you? Because this, uh, this is an old story now. This is 119 years old. And I will say this, the book is not perfect. It's far from perfect. It's a minor classic. It's, it is in that gothic horror mm-hmm. genre. So it falls in with like Dracula and, and, and those kind of things. Right. It's not my favorite. Uh, but what do you think of the story here? I think it's really cool. And yeah, I do think it's creeptacular. Is that what you asked me? Creeptacular, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it definitely is. I think I had mentioned earlier, there's this intensity about the whole entire story that just yes it's it's crazy how much it pulls you in the the, the beginning was a little slow kind of you know Let, since you brought it up let's get into it so okay. Rupert Julian uh, directed this movie mm-hmm. and he and Cheney did not get along at all um, let's see they had a very strained relationship and Cheney was a perfectionist uh, another director Edward Sedgwick was brought on after the film was complete for an almost entire film reshoot so they had like two premieres and they showed like two different movies and like it was like people were like no nah, no you know and then they uh, they kind of edited it together um, the big thing that we keep from the uh, Sedgwick version is the ending which is different from the book he dies brokenhearted uh in the book he he kind of lets her go he loses some of the possessiveness and you know and she gives him a kiss and he, anyway blah 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 <laughs> you know i prefer this <laughs> um but um let's see so the version we have is more the julian version but the ending does come from cedric as i said do you notice any disparity in the tone and let me add this lon cheney uh didn't want to be directed by julian he directed most of his own scenes Really? Yes. So, that's so, cool. so when he's in the movie, it, that's Lon Chaney directing that. So, did you notice any difference in the tone? A little bit. Um, I mean, like I said, I, I, the beginning to me was a lot slower, and I felt like it kind of crept in. You know, you, you were waiting. And it was static, is what it was. It, Julian apparently would just put that camera down and just let it play. So you not, you don't feel like you're involved in the action. You're watching it as a right. as a as a spectator. Mm-hmm. Uh, a B that when she gets into his lair mm-hmm. and she sees him for the first time, which is one of the great scenes in, oh, in movie history. But did you notice the camera was out of focus mm-hmm. because you're seeing it from her point of view, mm-hmm. and so you're there in the scene and it's woozy, so you're not even getting that look at him like you like you want. And uh, the stuff with the Phantom and Christine, like I said, Cheney directed all of that, so that feels like a completely different movie from it when does. you're in the opera and the camera's just there and you're looking. And I mean, the chandelier falling is just so kind of just blasé almost, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. There it goes. Well, I feel like even just watching like the ballet and like, people, you know, it's just kind of like you're there, you know, but you didn't feel like you were really there. You didn't feel connect, like you yeah. said, connected and, to it. And it those just, are, yeah. Here's, when, some, here's some stuff to kind of Here's some stuff. Yeah. Watch. <laughs> when they're going down into the tunnels, that to me, I was going, why, why are you just putting it right there? Because they proved they could do stuff back mm-hmm. in the day. They could, they could make moves, yeah. you know, with, with the camera and things like that. That was so boring, them walking down. No sense of tension or or, or, or uh, excitement or mystery as you're right. going down spend it, to spend time with this figure that you've mm-hmm. been, you know, has been built up for a little while. But the Cheney stuff, he really, you know, like I said, I'm sure he directed that from what I read. Right. 
beautiful some of those moves with her in mm-hmm. there um mary philbin gets a little bit of criticism for this uh this was one of her first or early movies for her uh some people have said she wasn't very good what did you think of mary philbin as uh christine because i i i was willing to go you know silent film you know overlook it was i did feel she was kind of overdone and underdone in some mm-hmm. scenes what did you think I, of her performance i was literally about to say that i didn't love her but i didn't hate her yeah you know i think she stood out in some in some moments but there wasn't like a like a major wow, you know, with her. Right. But, but I liked her. She wasn't right. She was fine. Like I said, Cheney covers a whole lot of sins in this movie. Mm-hmm. A whole lot of he's so good in this film. Um, what was your favorite scene in the movie? I like the uh, the ball. I like the uh, technic. They did mm-hmm. the Technicolor uh, processing on the mask. On I say the mask. He was showed up as the mask of the Red Death uh, at the masquerade ball. What did you think of that scene? Because my favorite moment comes off of off of this. I was about to say, mine was. Yeah, what's you know, yours? I, I liked when he was on the statue. Yes, there, there. You thank know, you. That. The Batman moment yes. when he's up up there on the statue. It's so creepy, and I love that shot. I don't know, it's just yeah, so cool to see that, that cape billowing yes. in the wind, and those eyes are coming through mm-hmm. that mask. But I liked seeing it in uh, Technicolor. I really, I really liked I did it. I too. For a second, it felt like a different movie. Right. You know, it was a little, right. a little different. I wasn't really expecting it. And uh, no, I liked it. It was a nice little, yeah. kind of a break from everything that was Yeah, that was absolutely. Um, so what is it? Is it a gothic uh, horror story? Is it a uh, is it a mystery? Is it a romance? A thriller? What what exactly is this? Is it, or is it uh, maybe all of them? Maybe all of them. It might be all of them. But all like I said, them. this is an important movie. This is, this is a stepping stone movie toward... These classic monsters that we've been talking about, right. on, you know, all month here on the late night Friday of, in October. Um, he's vile. Yeah. I think I think he's a very vile creature. And uh, he is absolutely, you know, evil. Like I said, I think I think what makes him the creepiest is that, you know, possessiveness. He doesn't even have to have a creepy face. It's just kind of. Yeah, he doesn't love her. No, he doesn't love her. He no. wants to possess her. There's a yeah. big difference. And yeah, like like both of us have said, it doesn't matter that he's ugly on the outside. No, he is. Yeah, that's not what makes him the rotten. monster. He is just a terrible person. And then the face, you know, is yeah, just is, as just you an add on. I mean, the cherry on top. Yeah. Can you see the influence of this of this uh, performance and creature? You know, on mm-hmm. on things even you know uh, almost a hundred years afterwards. Yeah, I think so for sure. Yeah, Cheney was fantastic. I've seen a couple of his movies, Hunchback of Notre Ooh, Dame. So That's all right. I'm getting excited. I'm knocking into stuff. You knocked the chandelier down, I didn't did. you? <laughs> um, this might be the first thing I've seen him in. It, it probably it is. is. Yeah. Um, I don't think he made it to the talking era. If he did, it wasn't very long. Um, <laughs> Hunchback of Notre Dame is brilliant. Uh, another brilliant makeup. Now, I saw a movie called He Who Gets Slapped. He, he plays a clown in a circus, and it's a hmm. brilliant, beautiful movie. I used to own it. Um before the floodwaters came into my house many years ago, but uh, it uh, he's he's brilliant. We need to do some more Lon Chaney because he Definitely. is one of the masters of horror. And as I said, he uh, without him, there's no Dracula and Frankenstein, and this thing doesn't get kicked very off true. the way that the way that it should. Yeah. So, well, let's take a very short break, and when we get back, we will wrap this up. And Faith, what do we have on the other side of the break? We have some tunes, don't we? We do. We have our spooky picks for October, our spooky music. We do, indeed. Yes, and I think they're pretty good this week. I think so, too. So, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to have some follow-up on the Phantom of the Opera, our spooky music picks, and we'll tell you what's going to be coming up here on the Late Night Fright. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we will see you on the other side.
Sir Michael Caine for the Welsh Jennings Corporation. I'm Michael Caine. I bet you didn't know that. But the bloke there just told you my name, so maybe you did know that. I'm here to tell you about Welsh Jennings. Welsh Jennings. Making a better tomorrow. Today. We're going to build that factory here in Cozy Corner. I bet you didn't know that. Welsh Jennings. The company that put the lethal in lethal injection. Can't have too many of them blokes running around on the street now, can we? Welsh Jennings. Putting better fluoride in your water. Welsh Jennings. We made our bones on government surveillance contracts. But don't you worry none about that. Welsh Jennings. Don't worry about us coming. We're already here. Welsh Jennings. Makers of blue. That's B-L-E-U. The bedroom enhancer for men who can't get it up. Welsh Jennings. You know you want it. Welsh Jennings. Breaking ground on its new facility later this year, only in Cozy Corner. I'm Scott Rice, host of Laser Beams. Pew, pew. That's laser with a Z and beams with a Z with your update from Laser Lanes. Pew, pew. Tonight's high score in laser tag was JizzWad69 with 725,000 points and 419 CK. That's confirmed kills. Kills with a Z. Ooh. Also, Spitman69 said a new high score in asteroids, which was amazing considering Spitman69 has hemorrhoids and had to sit down the entire night on a special inflated donut. Join me, Scott Rice, for a laser beam. Pew, pew. Also, be sure to check out my new show, Trekkies. Zoom, zoom. Faith, we're back, but... Singing again. Oh Is he singing about the guys who played the Phantom? I think so. Why is he so loud? Get the broom, Faith. Oh, I already have the broom nearby. That's enough. That's enough. Do it. All right. Well, best of luck to Music Guy in his upcoming audition. I hope this Method Madness, that's right, I said it, Method Madness pays off for him. We have been talking about the 1925 Universal Studios classic, The Phantom of the Opera, starring the one and only Lon Chaney. Faith, you and I both really enjoyed this movie. I would highly recommend this to anyone. I think people who have an interest in film, anyone who has an interest in film history or just history and culture in general, I think, need to see this movie. Um, Is the Lon Chaney performance your favorite thing out of it? Yes. Did you have any uh, any favorite moments from this that you that you wanted to bring up or was it just a general just wow? Yeah, I mean, overall, it was, you know, 
I was pleased with everything. I really liked the music, listening to the music along with it. Yeah. You know, it was really nice. Uh, for me, the standout moment uh, outside of the reveal with the mask, which, like like I've said, is one of the great cinematic moments, and people were fainting and passing out, apparently, or maybe that was just good press, you know. Maybe so. But I could see how it would make someone at that time, you know, you know, a little weak. Yeah, I mean, it's probably, it was probably so different from yeah. stuff people were seeing, you know. Uh, you said it, uh, both of us said it actually, the moment when he is up on the statue and he is looking down at, uh, uh, Christine and Raul mm-hmm. as they're talking, um, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, so real quick, this is considered to be one of the most faithful adaptations of the book. Uh, although it takes extreme liberties, uh, the 1989 Robert England version, does get the cruelty and the uh, the viciousness of the character like other versions have not, which was really interesting at the time because the play was very popular. It came out in 86, I believe. So that was the, the popular view of the Phantom at that time was that kind of romantic thing. And then right. here comes the Robert England movie. You know, yeah, probably because they're like, you know, he's not supposed to be romantic. This is how he's supposed to yeah. be. <laughs> and I actually had an argument with someone one night. Uh, I say an argument, uh, a discussion, but she disagreed with me vehemently, as the word goes. Um, she's a big Broadway fan. She goes, well, no, that's accurate. I said, no, it's not. Like, read the book. Like, he's a monster. Yeah. He's vile. I don't care that he repents at the end of the novel, you know, and, and lets her go as it is. He is so cruel and vile and possessive and i think he's a great character yeah, i really I do so uh, i would love to see a, a real straight adaptation of this you know, because mm-hmm. like i said the born disfigured thing is there and uh i would i would like to like see it done really horrifically you know operatically yeah. and horrifically i really do like the england version which brings me to something that we are going to be doing faith there are a lot of movies out there that we've talked about there's a lot of movies we want to get to and some of these Our Wednesday show has traditionally been where we kind of get deeper into analysis and talking about things uh, that are under the surface as it is with these horror movies. But there's a lot of great movies that might not make for a whole show. Right. Some great old Boris Karloff movies, you know, from the masters of this genre. And so what we're going to be doing uh, starting in November or December is we're going to be doing some double features. This might be a regular thing. It might be an irregular thing. <laughs> but we're going to be pairing movies together like 1989's Fan of the Opera. That would make a good show, but it might be more interesting if it was paired with something. And so we're going to be pairing people like Robert England and Kane Hodder with people like Boris Karloff and Bella Lugosi and Chris Lee and Peter Cushing. Not in any kind of round-robin tournament like we did with Cage Match. Right. Just... We're going to be pairing these people. There's some great movies out there that we love to watch, and we want you to know about them if you don't know about them already, and hopefully get you interested in some of the um, the back catalog of, of some of these guys' canons, right. you know, because yeah. Robert England is way more than just Freddy Krueger. Yeah. You know, Boris Karloff was way more than just Frankenstein and the Mummy, you know, and, and there's some great movies out there that we want to spotlight. So we're going to be doing that. Also, Faith, what else are we going to be doing every so often uh, in November? We are going to be doing something on Fridays, aren't we? Sci-Fi Fridays. Yes. Sci-Fi Friday. Maybe we'll call it Sci-Friday. Sci-Fi. Who knows? Who I knows? Like it. But uh, we're going to be spotlighting some movies that uh, might have some some horror and, and darkness to them, but uh, just science fiction movies that we really like and want to talk about. And so we're going to be uh, starting that again. That is not going to be a regular thing. It's going to be kind of irregular whenever we can get to it and do it. Um, right. But we'd like to be doing that at least once a month. And uh, we have some good movies picked out for that. So be on the lookout for that. 
We are also doing True Detective on Mondays now. We have finished with the Nicolas Cage match. All of those episodes are available wherever podcasts can be found. We had a lot of fun doing that, and there's some really fun episodes. We're still doing American Horror Story 1984 and Creepshow. We're doing those concurrently on Tuesdays uh, throughout their season runs. We don't know what we're going to be doing next, but we'll let you know as soon as we do. And we are possibly considering uh, adding another kind of regularly irregular show called breakfast with boris spotlighting some of boris's maybe lesser known works that uh you know might be forgotten to the masses Mm -hmm. you know because you say boris to people and uh they rightfully say frankenstein and the mummy rightfully they say those things but there's also uh you know uh movies out there like the uh the black room which is wonderful, you know, kind of forgotten Jim. Uh, there's The Man Who Couldn't Be Hanged, which is a wonderful movie. So Breakfast with Boris, that might be like a, a regularly irregular short, <laughs> you know, 10, 15 minute show where we kind of recap the movie and uh, give you some just thoughts on it and where you can find it. Yeah. Might, it might be a Sunday show. You can have your donuts and coffee and listen to us talk about Boris Karloff and then go watch Boris Karloff. Ooh, sounds like fun to me. That's, that sounds like a good Sunday to me. <laughs> I think I'm going to do that in the morning. Um so there you have it. So just some things that we have coming up. We also have a, a couple of special shows coming up in November. So just be on the lookout. We'll let you know about those. But uh, right now it is time, something we've been doing in October. We have been doing spooky music, haven't we, spa- we Space? Who? Spooky music, Faith. There you go. <laughs> I don't know who that was. We've been doing spooky music, haven't we, Faith? We have. <laughs> Faith, who goes first this week? I'll go first. Please go you. first. You have a great pick, by the way. I really like, I like this your pick. Too. Now, you have the uh, orchestral slash score soundtrack pick this week. I and do. you picked, may I call it a humdinger? Yes. You got a humdinger. What you got? I picked Dance Macabre. Let me see if I can get this right. From Camille Saint-Saëns. 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 Yes, one of the great, <laughs> one of the great composers, one of the great French impressionistic composers. This is a wonderful piece of music and uh, very influential on Danny Elfman's Beetlejuice score. You can hear it at the beginning of that. Uh, I really like this. I like Saint-Saëns. I like uh, most everything he did, and this is really, I think. Uh, very special piece. Mm-hmm. So here it is, the dance macabre. Are we going with macabre or macabre? You pig. What you I already I put dance macabre <laughs> out there. So here it is. Here it is for all you boogers around the world. Dance macabre continuing our October music month. We'll see you on the other side of this.
Well, Faith, that was, uh, you outdid yourself with that one. That was a great bit. Thank you. That was, that was really, it's, it's a great piece of music. It really it's, is. it's one of my favorites. And it, uh, it's good anytime, but this time of year is especially nice. So mm-hmm. now we're on to my pick, and I had the pop song this week. The pop song I picked was, uh, Faith just said, this is a really good pick. And <laughs> this is from 1966. This went to number two on the uh, Hot 100. This song was kept out of the number one spot by Wild Thing, by the Trogs, and uh, Summer in the City by the Love and Spoonful. This song here, though, I think really deserved to be a number one hit. This is Little Red Riding Hood by Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. This is just one of those tunes, man. Yeah, it just it's it, it's, awesome. it's um it's got almost a southern gothic feel to it. Yeah. You know, it's it's got some darkness and some funness and that thing that great old music has. But uh here it is. Uh if you've seen the Bruce Willis movie Striking Distance, this song was used quite a bit in it almost as a theme for the movie, but uh this is great. And I want to add this. We talked about this uh we didn't talk about this on the show. This was uh, between us. When you hear the first part of this song, just imagine Adam Sandler doing it. Just imagine Adam Sandler doing it. I'm just going to leave that in your in in your brain pan. So here it is, the 1966 mega smash hit, Little Red Riding Hood by Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. We'll see you on the other side of this. Who's that I see walking in these woods? Why, it's Little Red Riding Hood. Hey there, Little Red Riding Hood. You sure are looking good. You're everything a big bad wolf could want. Listen to me, Little Red Riding Hood. I don't think little big girls in these spooky old woods alone oh, What big eyes you have The kind of eyes that drive wolves mad So just to see that you don't get chased I think I ought to walk with you for a ways What full lips you have They're sure to lure someone sheet suit on till I'm sure that you've been shown that I can be trusted walking with you alone oh little red riding hood I'd like to hold you if I could but you might think I'm a big bad wolf so I won't Close by your side Maybe you'll see 
Hey, that's a that's another great song, isn't it? That's awesome. That's and, a like really good pick. And I noticed you were giggling at the beginning, thinking about Adam Sandler doing that. Oh, uh, hey, Dad, little Miss Red Riding Hood, <laughs> can I walk along with you? Oh, man. Uh, we talked about Adam Sandler at length in our Wolfman episode because around that time, the movie uh, Murder Mystery with Jennifer Aniston had come out, and uh, we have a trailer for the Adam Sandler movie wolf fraternity uh and that that really makes me giggle i think it's oh, me too. i think it's pretty funny uh and that episode along with all of our episodes is available wherever podcasts are found faith do you have anything you would like to add about uh the phantom of the opera or any of this these things that we have coming up because we we have some some nice show stuff coming we up do. i do want to say something about phantom like i said earlier if you're apprehensive like i was about silent films you know just go into this kind of open-minded and you know, don't don't let that discourage you from watching it because it really is a good movie and uh, a lot of fun to watch. It's an amazing movie. Yeah, it is. It's fun to watch. You hit the nail on the head. And uh, we have one more show left, uh, Wednesday show left in October. One more Universal Monster to Spotlight. Faith, who do we have next week on the show? Creature from the Black Lagoon. The Gill Man himself. Blub, 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 blub. I'm, I'm looking excited, forward to yeah, this I'm excited one. about it's, that one. This is, a, this is a really great movie, and they're a big movie from the 50s, uh, part of that sci-fi explosion that we, uh, we talked about with them when mm-hmm. we did the episode on them. This was part of that you know, mutation, you know, uh, thing that was going on. So this is a great movie. It's a lot of fun. And uh, we also will have a Halloween episode. So be on the lookout. We have a special episode coming out on Halloween itself. And Faith, there's the song. I hear it. It's time to go. Let's go. It's been a great night. It's been a wonderful night. I've enjoyed getting to share this movie with the listeners. I want to thank all of you for tuning in. We know you have a lot of options uh, when it comes to what you listen to. Thank you for choosing to spend a little time with us here on Our Little Show. Faith, it's time to sign off. Let's do it, my friend. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep keep your your monster monster on on a leash. leash. We'll see you on the other side. This is a coyote for the Late Night Fright with Dan and Faith right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. We hope you've enjoyed the show tonight. We hope you got good vibes from the show. We hope when you go out into the world, you take them good vibes with you because there are some phantoms of the opera out there. There are some real boogers. And old Satan Claus is at work in this world. Children, be on guard. And if you can't find them good vibes looking to your heart, you'll find them right there.